happy to be in church? You are in one of the great churches in our nation. Do you believe that? Ben Child. Oh my gosh. I love seeing you. That is my great mate right there. If you don't know Ben, him, you do. Him and his family, they are incredible. And uh, he is a genius. He is a great teacher of the Word. He is a great business brain. He is a great discipler. He is anointed. I mean, we did ministry together for a long time. And, oh, I just get excited seeing you there. Anyway, how good's the weather? This is winter? Are you kidding? This is amazing. Seriously. I jumped out of the hotel and Pastor Mark said, you're wearing it. Where's your jacket? I thought at first, like, you know, this had to wear a jacket in church, but it was more about the weather. About, uh, why are we standing? We're standing because we're just going to honour God for a moment. Do you love Him? He loves you. I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and minister to you today. Wants to fill you with joy. Wants to speak into your spirit. Wants to lift your head. Wants to give you the strength for the journey. Wants to refill your cup with what maybe the enemy tried to drain from you in the last season. But we've got to be able to welcome him in, him in. We've got to be able to position ourselves. So just for a moment, can we just begin, just to, if you speak in that heavenly language, begin to speak in tongues. Let's begin to welcome the Spirit. If, you, if this is different for you, why don't you just begin to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Why don't you begin to say, Jesus, I love you. God, we come in. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in right now. We thank you that you're here, but we make room for you. We hunger for you. We position ourselves for you. We've come, Lord God, not with our agenda and our thoughts, but just to say, God, would you move and speak and fill us up today? Holy Spirit, we pray that you would pour out that new wine on every one of us this morning. Thank you that that new wine that brings joy, that new wine that brings life, that new wine that brings strength, that new wine that clarifies, that new wine that empowers. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's you. So we hunger, we rest, we wait, and we ask you to move today in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you give him praise? Come on, church. Yeah, let's go. I love it. Why don't you grab your seats? It is good to see you. If we've not met before, hello, I'm Josh. I uh, went straight into it. I've been here quite a number of times. Um, I was very very excited to get the call from Pastor Mark to come and preach. I haven't been here since 2019 before all of the events of the last few years and all of that hopefully a fair bit behind us now and and um, I, was, I was so excited to come. Pastor Mark rang me and I picked up the phone and said, I'll come, I'll pay my own flights. He was just ringing to, uh, to see how I was going, but then he felt obliged to have me. So uh, that's how this happened. Um, but it was so good to, just to come. The, I love the faith in this house. I love that we're a church that, you know, we're a church in lots of campuses and there's more that God has for you to do and we're a church of faith, we're a church of the Holy Spirit. You have incredible worship. Can we just honour the worship team, Rachel and everyone, just let us in this morning. Um, I, feel like, I feel like I'm home when I'm here and, and it does feel like home. My, my wife, Jana, she'll be here tonight. Come along tonight. I've got a, a word that I think will help you, teach you and push you into closeness to Jesus. And uh, she'll be here tonight. She spoke to all of the girls yesterday. Who was at the women's conference yesterday? And, and uh, I said, how, how was it? And she said, it was just like talking to our girls back home. And I think that's an amazing thing to be able to come, you know, interstate and just to be able to speak to a church of the same spirit and, and you, know, you know, just going in the same direction. And I believe God wants to speak to you. And that's, you know, why do you have that? It's because you're here and you've got great heritage and a great future. 
but you do have you do have the most incredible senior pastors, and uh, and we love Pastor Mark and Nina, don't we? Come on, we we love. Yeah, I don't know. Don't have to convince you. These guys are wonderful. They are fr- they're the most. I've, I'm convinced Pastor Mark should write a book on pastoral care. Uh, he, there's no one that knows how to do it better. No one that models it is in his heart. He he loves you. You just got to know, like you know, when we talk about the church, you ask how the church is going. Some people talk about this thing or that thing, and Pastor Mark always talks about you. He just loves you. Just talks about you, and they are just such a mum and dad. And they, you look at the, you know, not only are they walking in their grace, but they're raising up such an amazing team. And and I'm going to get into the word. I just think sometimes you got to know what you're a part of because you can get familiar and you can get used to it, but you are part of something special. So take it in, keep adding, keep serving, keep giving, keep bringing, keep praying for your church because God's got incredible days ahead. Amen. Last few years have been a little bit different, a little bit odd. You know, we're still believing that everyone's apart, comes back in. But I tell you, it's not time to look backwards. It's time to look forwards to what God's going to do in faith, declaring and believing that revival can happen. Miracles can be seen. More souls one in these next years than any of the years gone by. And God has us to do it. It's not just your leaders. It's us as the church. He's raising His church. Let me tell you, the church isn't finished. It was God's plan. It was His method. It's His bride. Individually, we're believers, but together, we're the church. So keep on coming and believing that God's going to use you, empower you for all the great things God wants to do in your life and through this church. Amen. So today, I just want to talk to you about joy. Everyone say joy. Because I believe if anything, something, if anything got robbed from people in the last few years, it was joy. And, and the answer oh, that the church needs and as believers we need is joy. So I'm just hoping the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. And we reckon this might open this up at the end and just pray for each other because I just reckon the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with joy today. I'm not going to fill you with joy today. We need the helper to fill you with joy. I mean, who wants the Holy Spirit to come and fill them with fresh joy today? We need this. We need him to be our helper. Just like a few, about a few months ago, I had a Vietnamese helper. He was a great helper. I was, uh, I was just at the gym and my wife called me. She dropped the boys to school and she went to our local supermarket, Coles there in Adelaide and um, Durden Court. And, uh, and, and she rang me and said, Josh, I got a flat tire. Can you call, you know, the roadside assistance, the RAA? And, and I'm like, oh, I'll come change the tire for you. And she's like, no, 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 no. Why don't you call the roadside and get the, get the professionals out? And because um, I'm not much of a manly man, like some guys have manly jeans, I have skinny jeans. Uh, some men have oil on their hands, I have Nivea for men. And um, but she was like, you know, come and come get someone to come help change the tire. I said, no, no I'm going to come and do it for you. So I turned up and, and in the back of my car, I had the, you know, the lifter thing and, and you know, and the. You know, that thing, I could not tell you. That's not trying to be funny. I literally don't know what it's called. In my house, it's called the... And uh, so I got, it, I lifted it, got the car up and, and then got the, the star thing and, and I put it on the nut and I started just really <laughs> trying to turn it. And it wasn't budging. And I'm like, look, Shans is like, we should have got the roadside assistance. And I'm like, I just had a huge workout, babe. It's just exhausted. And if you, maybe if you made me breakfast, I'd be stronger. And, uh, and anyway, I'm trying to turn this thing, and it wasn't moving. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came this 
wonderful Vietnamese man sent either from heaven or the Vietnamese bakery that was right there admittedly. And he came and literally moved me out of the way and said, let me do it for you. And he grabbed, his, grabbed the thing and he's like, bang, grab the next one, bang, grab the next one, bang, grab the next one, bang. He wasn't even polite. He just passed the thing, said, hold this. Okay, where's the other tire? Get it out, pass it here. And then literally changed the tire for me. I didn't know, I was, for one moment, I was offended. The next moment, I was like, well, I didn't want to get oil on my clothes, so I was pretty grateful. But he literally just came out of nowhere and helped. Sometimes we just need the Holy Spirit to come and take over. Sometimes we're trying to do it in our own strength and we're trying to make it through and we just need the Holy Spirit, the helper to come. You know, sometimes I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to start. Sometimes we're waiting for God to move. Sometimes He's waiting for you to move and then He can be the helper that comes and takes you into the next thing. You know why He's gonna move today? Because you came here, because you're hungry today, because you're gonna position yourself today and the helper's gonna come and do something for you. I believe He's gonna come and fill you with joy, amen. So to start today, I'm gonna go to John 15, a verse that I believe actually connects us to the Holy Spirit and how God wants to give you joy. I wanna show you something. I'm gonna race through this verse, but if you see something in bold, say that loud with me because I love participation. He says this in John 15. He sa- Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. He says, and my father is the gardener and he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. Down verse seven, he says, but if you remain, or even a better word is abide. Everyone say abide. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted and you will produce much fruit and you you produce much fruit. You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Then verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that my Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Here is a verse that Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And as long as you stay connected, attached, abiding, resting, remaining in me, you have fruit. And then there's going to be seasons of cutback. He's talking about pruning. So if you've gone through a season of cutback lately, it's not a cut off. It's just God simply cutting you back because God wants to take you from fruit to more fruit. And then he says, when you have more fruit, there'll be seasons of waiting and in between in valleys, but you'll go from more fruit to much fruit. And then once you get more, much fruit, he promises that there'll be lasting fruit. Let me tell you today, wherever you are, whether new to church, new to relationship with Jesus, or you've been in here all your life, there is fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit. The promise of God that when you remember Remain and abide in Him, you will have more than you can ask, think, or imagine as long as you continue to abide. So maybe you've been cut back. It's not God rejecting you. It's not God forgetting you. It's just a sign from heaven that there's a season of fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit coming in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. amen. He's the vine, we're the branches. But what is the fruit? Well, He makes it really clear. Because some of us were like, oh, is that fruit money? Is that fruit uh, a, a bigger house? Is a bigger opportunity? But he wants to make it clear. Why does he tell us these things? In verse 11, right in the middle, he says this. I've told you these things so that you will be filled. Everyone say filled. That you'll be filled with my joy. God's plan is that when you are abiding in Jesus, the fruit that we've seen in your life 
beyond all those things you ask for is that you'd be filled, not just filled a little, not just touched a little, not just ankle deep, knee deep or waist deep, but he says you'll be filled with my joy. And then he says, yes, your joy will overflow. So if you've been in a season of cut back, there may be a season of mourning, but He brings the oil of joy for your mourning. God's joy plan for your life is that you would know joy. The result of following Jesus is you'd be filled with joy. The characteristic of a, of a Christian should be that people see you and they see joy. The overflow of being with the Holy Spirit is that in you, you know joy. I mean, there was a song, Pastor Mark, I'm sure you used to sing it too, that went, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down. Okay, you're, not, you're okay. Anyway, some of the more mature Christians know it. It's a song that doesn't have a lot to it, but I tell you, it's filled with joy. Pastor Mark, I just think there's too many intense Christians out there. Do you guys think that sometimes? Too many Christians are so intense. Have you ever seen an intense worshiper? Like, it's like they're gonna do a hernia. They're like, oh. Have you ever had, a, have you ever had an intense person pray for you at an altar cult? Like, I mean an intense spitter, and you're trying to slip like a mint in their mouth just as they're intensely praying for you. I've faked fallen over in the Holy Spirit. I've taken a fake dive one time. They were so intense. Banged my head, got concussion. Worth it. Just to get out of there. Like, ever seen, you ever had someone that shares Jesus intensely? No one's following the intense person. Do you know who they're following? The passionate person. Do you know what the difference is between a passionate person and an intense person? The intense person's lost their joy. They still have the same goal. They still have the same mission. But God never called you to be an intense person. He called you to be a joyful person. I mean, some people read Scripture like Hebrews 12 verse 2. Well, He endured the cross. Like Jesus did endure the cross, but it's not the full verse. It says in Hebrews verse. 12 verse 2, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Even Jesus didn't just intensely endure things. Jesus was led and filled with joy in all things, in the good and the bad. You're not meant to endure worship. You're not meant to just get through your devotions. You're not meant to just keep turning up to have your religious experience at church. No, God's plan for your life is that you being filled with the Spirit and knowing God wouldn't just get through the tough times, but that you would have the joy of the Lord in your life. Come on, do you believe it? It's why David, now we all lose it. It's why David said in Psalm 51, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's why I love this church. That's why I know I'm singing to the choir today, but sometimes you've got to be reminded of who you are and how to get back to what God called us to be. Because when he talked about this church, when he talked about the Pentecostal church, when he talked about a healthy church in Acts 13, verse 52, he says, they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They go hand in hand. He is the giver of joy. He is the fullness of joy. His joy does not increase or decrease depending on how I'm going. But my joy increases and decreases depending on whether I'm connected to the vine or not. What goes from his vine to my branches will be seen through my joy. So why do we sometimes lose our joy? Are you doing okay this morning? Why do we sometimes lose our joy? Well, 
few reasons. Jesus makes it clear, I think. He alludes to it at the very first verse here in John 15, verse 1. He put it on the screen. He says, I am the true grapevine. Why would Jesus say, I, why would he just say, I'm the grapevine? But he says, I am the true one because clearly there would be intimidation grapevines. There are other grapevines that we attach ourselves to. There are other things that we go to looking for happiness when the truth is the only way we can know joy is when we're attached to Him. I mean, have you ever been driving on the way home after Sunday night church and you feel like, oh, I could get a cheeseburger? <laughs> I tell you, Maccas is more tempting on a Sunday than any other day of the week. And you're driving and you're like, oh, I don't feel like it, but a oh, sneaky cheese would be great. And... and you eat that cheeseburger or you'll go past Hungry Jack's and get a Whopper and you're no longer hungry, but about two minutes later, you're not satisfied. <laughs> and this is what happens when we go to other things to try and find our joy, to try and get rid of the distractions, the feelings, the emotions that, that we know don't fill us with joy, that hurt us, the, the things we're waiting for, the times of in-between especially. There are other grapevines we go to and we're looking for joy and we end up no longer being hungry, but we're also not satisfied, which makes us go further backwards because I no longer hunger for his presence. I no longer hunger for his word. I no longer hunger for being with other followers, but I'm also not satisfied at the same time. So now I'm in a worse place than I was before because I go to Netflix, because I go to that conversation, because I go to that unhealthy relationship, because I'm hoping that my job should be my source of joy. Because when I succeed there, it'll be good, right? Because that's fruit. No, that's the fruit he's talking about is joy, despite wherever you find yourself. Or, or maybe if I could just get that next house or that next investment property or that, that, next, that the next financial breakthrough. Or, or maybe if it was in my marriage. Or, and I, God wants your marriage to have joy, but your marriage should not be the source of your joy. And God wants there to be joy in your business, but your business should not be your source of joy. He wants your source of, even your church, he wants you to have joy in church, but the church was never meant to be your source of joy. There was only one source and it was Jesus. So he never wanted you and I to have a religious experience that was joyless. But all these other things are killjoys that come and literally kill your joy. So Jesus wants to flip it on his head. So he comes and his very first miracle right there in Cana. At his first miracle, Jesus is going to make a picture show us a picture of what he wants a walk with him to be like. So Jesus, in John chapter two, goes to a wedding in this place called Cana. Now this wedding matters because a wedding is always a picture of the church. It's a picture of us. It's a picture of you and me. Why does he go to a wedding first? Well, he starts his ministry with a wedding in Cana and it will all finish with the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's a picture. Whenever you see a wedding, it's a picture of his bride, of you and me. And he goes to this wedding and they're going to run out of wine. Now, to show you this for a moment, he says in John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true grapevine. He says grapes. Now, grapes in, the, in Scripture are primarily used for making wine. Now, wine for the Jews in their typology and language would always be a picture of joy. When you read wine in Scripture, it is a picture of joy. So Jesus goes to his friend's wedding and it says in John 2 verse 3, and they ran out of wine. So the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They run out of wine. To run out of wine, Jesus is making a point, is a picture of followers of him, the bride and the groom in relationship, but they've run out of joy 
joy. This is a message to His disciples, to everyone that follows, and to you and me today. We can sometimes be the marriage, the relationship with God that's run out of joy. Let me tell you, you can have fruit in your life but have no joy, and you'll be exhausting to others. You can be a boss that has fruit but no joy, you'll be exhausting. You can be a husband or a wife without joy and you can be exhausting. But you can actually be a husband or wife and you're in the in-between season of fruit, but you've got joy and it will be exhilarating. You can be a leader of the in good times and bad times and you have joy. Life with you will be exhilarating. We were never meant to survive without joy. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I believe what fuel is to a car and food is to a body, joy is to a spirit. And you see, like in the same way, if you don't eat, you won't make it through the day. And if you don't fill your car up with fuel, you won't make it to your destination. And I believe if you follow Jesus, but you don't have joy in your life, people will wonder if they go with you, if they follow you, when you stutter along running out of fuel, getting a little bit hangry because you haven't fed yourself with what? Food is to a body, fuel is to a car, joy is to a spirit. You won't make it to the end of the journey in the way God planned you to make it if you're not filled with joy. Because as you serve Him and worship Him and love Him and do life, you burn through joy. Just like a body burns through food and a car burns through fuel, you'll burn through joy, which is why you have to remain and abide to be filled with Him. So what does Jesus do at this wedding? Well, He does something so incredible because it's way more than wine. It's actually about joy and it's going to point to the Holy Spirit. John 2 says, nearby stood, we're going to do some maths today, nearby stood six, everyone say six, six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. He's going to give all the numbers because he wants you to work it out. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Everyone say fill. So before you'll be filled with my joy, overflow. So he fills the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. He's going to fill you with to the brim today. I believe it. Then he told them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. So now, when we, get the, when we get the calculations and we know there's six stone water jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons, and you take that measurement and you put it into liters, and then you get those liters and you put it into today's average size wine bottle. Somewhere after the speeches, Jesus made in excess of 800 bottles of wine. Now, some of you are going, not my Jesus. He would never do that. He put the calculations in there for you. And the master of the ceremony tasted and said, this is the best wine. Why'd you leave it to the end? Now, what? could you imagine this? It seems excessive. It seems over the top. But could you imagine the dancing that would have taken place at this wedding? Could you imagine the singing that took place at this wedding? Could you imagine the people looking at each other and saying, I love you. <laughs> I mean, and some of you right now are judging those people at the wedding. They're probably the same people that are judging Christians that sing too loud and judging people that are joy-filled all the time and thinking they're faking and putting it on. No, because sometimes we struggle with the excessive joy that God actually planned for our life, but He wanted to make a point. I won't just give you enough because He never just gave us enough. So the disciples asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? And He's like, no, 70 times seven. He is the 
God of exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask, think or imagine. He doesn't help you to overcome. He makes you more than a conqueror. And He pours out His Spirit till we are, have joy unspeakable. I mean, this is the picture of the church that God wants to have, that there is so much singing and so much laughter and so much love and so much storytelling that people look at us and we get around each other and the characteristic they define us by is this undescribable, unexplainable joy. I mean, in Acts chapter 2, just the keys can come. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out and it's somewhere like 9 in the morning. The disciples are accused of something. It wasn't just being safe sippers. It wasn't being moderate drinkers. If the Bible go to it, I'm shifting some paradigms to some people today. The scripture says the people accused them of being drunk because there was such an overflow of joy and life and singing and shouting and something in them that people, it says, came running to where they were. You see, I think sometimes people run from Christians because we're intense. But when we get filled with the joy of the Spirit and we get passionate, people will come running to us. I believe that the experience people should have when they come to us is we may not have every opportunity to give every answer in every conversation, but they'll walk away from you saying something's different about you because you've got the joy of the Holy Spirit. I believe that everyone's marriage is going to go through difficult times sometimes. I believe if you've got kids within 10 minutes, you know it's tough. I mean, if you've ever run a business, you're going to go through ups and downs. But the one thing that can take you all the way through the journey and thriving on the other side is the joy of the Holy Spirit. I mean, why would Jesus do this? Well, imagine this for a moment. There would be other weddings, but at those other weddings where they would also be dancing, people would dance, but they would go, the dancing here is okay. <laughs> but do you remember the dancing at the wedding that Jesus turned up to? I was dancing. Oh, there's some good singing here. But let's be real. There was never allowed a song. Have I got knocked down? Anyway, but when the wedding that Jesus turned up to, I mean, love is here, this wedding, but there is no wedding like the wedding that Jesus turned up to because He knew that there would be other grapevines and He knew there'd be other moments and other things you would fill yourself with. He knew that there would be other opportunities and other distractions and other gods and everything else that we have in our world. But whenever we tasted of it, we would come back to, there was no love like the love I had in Jesus. And there was no life like the life I had in Jesus. And maybe maybe you're watching online and you haven't been here in a while and just still watching church, but you're not experiencing. There's something about being in the room that just says, you know, when I'm here, I encounter with the other believers a joy like I couldn't know anywhere else. He called us to be connected, attached and abide in the true grapevine. And there the fruit that you would know is joy. Now I'm gonna finish this in just a moment, but let me pause here. Because if you don't know Jesus, it is not about joining a religion. It's not even about joining this church. It's about having an encounter with the one that brings true joy. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is only found in the one that made you, loved you, gave His life for you, 
rose again so that you could have life and has a plan and purpose for you. The one that is your beginning and end. The one that knows all your faults and still accepts you and welcomes you with open arms. That is the source of joy. He is the source of joy. He knows you. He loves you. He forgives you. And He welcomes you today. If you're not attached to that vine, if you're not attached to Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, He knows you. And simply today would say, would you invite me into your life? Would you allow me to lead you, heal you, forgive you, walk with you and guide you from this moment forward? Maybe you once knew Him and you walked away and you found other vines, but today you remember and you say, I need to get back. I need a new start. I need to connect with Jesus. Today, I believe He welcomes you, accepts you, forgives you and loves you. So while no one's looking, would you just bow your heads in this moment? If that's you and you don't know Jesus, I wanna pray for you. If that's you and you're away from Jesus, I wanna pray for you. Older, younger, here for the first time, been here for a while. Today, this is for you. He wants to fill you with His joy. He wants to fill you with hope and life. If you don't know Jesus, we invite Him into your life. When I count to three, would you lift your hand wherever you are? And I wanna just pray for you right where you sit. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out but I do wanna pray for you. If that's you and you say, that's me, younger, older, I need Jesus, would you lift your hand? One, two, three. Who is there today? Say, that's me, I need Jesus. Let me pray for you wherever you are. If there's anyone today that say, that's me, I wanna pray, pray for me, Josh. Greatest decision you could ever make. Most important moment of your life right here. We've been there and now we wait for you. Are you here? Just lift your hand. Is anyone here? I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss you. He loves you. He loves you so much. Okay. Just look at me for a moment. If you're here today and that is you, we understand. It's a room of people you may not know and that might be a big thing. Before today finishes, out enough for you. Our team's gonna be there. There's gonna be a space just for you. Jason, one of the team will tell you about it after. But come and see us. We'd love to pray with you, connect with you and point you to Jesus. Amen. So for us for a moment, because, hey, we need people in these moments. And one of the greatest things that'll get people to these moments is seeing the joy of the Spirit in us. So let me talk to you and then we're gonna pray and open this altar for a moment. Are you ready to receive joy this morning? Are you ready to be filled with joy this morning? I believe it's gonna happen. I believe it takes a deliberate step. So, so what's one of the reasons we don't get filled with joy is because there's other grapevines, there's other vines. But the other one is that we don't abide. Everyone say abide. Because again and again in this passage, every time he says there's fruit, more fruit, much fruit and lasting fruit. His plan for your life is that you would have fruit. Come on, who wants fruit in their life? That you have more fruit, that you have much fruit, that you have lasting fruit. But he gives the clear way of receiving. He says you have to abide. That word abide means to wait with hunger and belief that there is more. It's not, this isn't waiting all right, God, would you wanna meet me? I'm here. When I feel you, I'll stand. Hey, when I encounter you, then I'll worship. Oh, no, when you meet that need, then I'll serve you. No, that's checking out. That's backing off. What waiting is, is an eager, ready anticipation that hope is about to appear, that something new is about to happen. 
So he says, you've got to abide, abide. I don't know about you. I'm a sh- I don't like baths. Uh, something about laying in your own filth that just, yeah, yeah, but I'm a shower guy. I'm in and out. And, and But my wife, my wife loves a bath. And this is the thing about a bath. A bath is you don't just get in and out, which some of us want with God. We want to get into church and get out. We want to have our moment and get out. We want to read our scripture and get out. But abiding is what you do in the bath. It's when you're in the water, but the water's in you. It's like a rest. It's what Jesus says there in John 15. He says, verse 4, he says, remain or abide in me and I will abide in you. You see, no one wants to get cut back. No one wants to be pruned. But the way you get through is not just hoping that he gives you something in a moment, but there's a remaining and an abiding and a waiting and a being still that says, God, I'm not just in for a quick touch or just a quick moment, but I need to rest in your presence. I need to be with you. I need to wait with you. This is why Isaiah 40, when it talks about young men utterly falling and and the youth's getting weary and us losing our way because that would happen. We all get weary. We all fall down. We all get it wrong. But he says, those who wait, everyone say wait. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What is our strength? The joy of the Lord is our strength. That word wait is the word quavar in the Hebrew. And what it means is to get on the edge of your toes. Don't go anywhere. Don't run. Don't leave. But don't hide or quit either. But hope is coming. The, the touch of heaven is coming. The answer is coming. It means get on your toes and wait in the presence of God because strength is coming. Joy is coming. Life is coming. I mean, now let's go to the end here where we see in the in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is literally about to go to the cross and He says to the disciples, would you do just one thing with me? Would you wait? And the disciples like us, they couldn't wait because we're always in a rush. So they run. And what we do when we don't wait, we run. We hide. We get overcome with fear. But Jesus, because He waited when the soldiers come, they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And He said, I am. And He was filled with so much dunamis power that they all fell over. So in Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives them a second go. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? Here's the redo. Here's the new opportunity. Here's what he was talking about in John 15. Here's what Isaiah was talking about in chapter 40. Here's what he was trying to get the boys to do in the garden as they were waiting to wait with him. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. Let me say it today. Do not leave this church today. Do not leave your devotions tomorrow. Do not leave your time with God until, he says, but wait. Everyone say, wait. That means quivar. That means to remain. That means to abide. That means to get on the edge of your toes and believe that hope is about to appear. That means to get into the Spirit. So wait for the gift that my Father has promised that you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when my Spirit comes upon you. Let me say it a different way. You receive strength when my Spirit comes upon you. This is what Jesus talked about. I think it's in Matthew 8 when He talked about the new wine, that I'll pour new wine into new wine skins. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He was talking about a fresh joy. He was talking about new strength. He was talking about dunamis power. I believe that God's called us to be a church that's filled Filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. But the answer is found in the remaining. 